With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Nickelodeon. Stay tuned for You Can't Do That on Television. But first, this. It's time for the telecast, brought to you by the GeekCast Radio Network. I'm your host, Optimus Solo, and I would like to say hello and welcome to the 26th episode of the Telecast, brought to you by the GeekCast Radio Network. And today we begin a brand new block of shows that I can only describe as our off-the-wall block, I guess. We've had game shows, we've had, you know, like the the Save by the Bell block, we've had the educational block, and I'm just going to call this one the -the off-the-wall block. And uh, what better person to join me for an off-the-wall content than JT from Saskatoon? Hello. Hello, it's like I have a rep amongst the geek cast. (laughs) I, I don't know where I was going with that, but I thought it sounded good. Um, not to say everything I say is completely kosher, so. <laughs> exactly. Um, so today, JT and I are going to be talking about...
That's right, folks. We are talking about you can't do that on television. So apparently we can do that on podcasting. Um, but before we get too far into our discussion, quick background information on you can't do that on television. It debuted. Um, apparently not everybody knew this. Talking about you, Blanchard. Um, 1979. And it ran until 1990. It was a Nickelodeon show eventually. It didn't start off as one, obviously. Um, it was a 30-minute show. I guess technically it's listed as lasting 10 seasons. I've seen other things that say it lasted 15 seasons. I think it depends on when you count the actual beginning of this show uh, versus its early incarnations. And there were somewhere around 143 episodes. Um for those of you that don't know, You Can't Do That on Television was basically a live-action sketch comedy slash variety slash uh, slime show for kids. Uh, I don't know how, what other way to describe You Can't Do That on Television, JT. Uh, it's almost like SNL for kids in a way. Yes, SNL for kids and then place it in the 70s or 80s version uh, and... Uh, yeah, it's basically a show with all kids except for about two people. Yeah. What do you remember about this show? I remember when I was really young and I first started getting into TV and I'd see just the intro for this. It kind of freaked me out. <laughs> yeah, because you got the conveyor belt with kids getting put together on this assembly line and then they're pouring out a water tap and then this guy's getting a stamp to the face and you know, <laughs> the, he... You know, basically it goes Humpty Dumpty and splits in two. And that know, always like, that always got me a little bit. It almost looked like yeah. it hurt. Well, yeah. So, I mean, when I was like four, five, like that, it's like, <laughs> oh god, I don't know where this is going. <laughs> but no, I mean, I loved watching the show. It had like a lot of the recurring skits and everything was just it was funny. And it's right. like that that type of jokes that I still love to this day. It's just dumb gags. You know, the, the, the belly laughs, you know, it's uh, it, it's kind of like the living embodiment. I saw this quote from John Lithgow once, it says, intelligent comedy is all well and good, but nothing's better than a good, dirty laugh, mm-hmm. which is kind of what I got from this show. It's like, it just made me laugh, and I enjoyed it, and there's, you know, very little I did, uh, didn't like about the show, if any. Right. And this is basically, to me, this is the first, this is the earliest show I can ever remember watching on Nickelodeon. Yeah, I didn't even know this was on Nickelodeon until I was doing research for the show. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's kind of cool, you know, it's something, you know, I mean, goes again, you know, it's kind of like Superman, it was born in Canada. <laughs> right, I mean, besides Pinwheel, which is kind of like, was its own channel at one point, I believe, um, which transitioned into the 1979 launch of of Nickelodeon. And this, I believe, was one of the very first shows and for sure was the first popular show that really got Nickelodeon some attention. Oh, yeah. And it just dominated ratings when it it came out. Um, And like I said, this is just what I remember. This this came before everything that, that everyone else thinks of when they think of Nick. This is way before Clarissa explains it all. This is way before Pete and Pete or Hey Dude or Salute Your Shorts. Um, you know, this is the early days of Nickelodeon and it's kind of like what we talked about in another episode. You know, when a, when a channel is first starting out, they're usually willing to push the limits and go places no one else has gone in order to get themselves recognized and some attention. Oh, yeah, no, it's like how Fox started in, like, you know, the mid to late 80s, and 
they're putting, you know, they had like the monsters today and werewolf and yeah. all sorts of like the stuff that was just married with children. It's just stuff that they were pushing the envelope. And I just find it odd. It's like they're, they're doing something new and different. So all of a sudden they're pushing the envelope, hmm. you know, finger quotes because no one else, you know, the, it's just, they're, they're staying true to formula. It's yeah, like to to break through the uh, the barrier that is whatever else the other established channels. You have to go crazy and like off the wall to get your name out there. And then yeah. it seems like after so long, then all of a sudden you almost become just like all the other channels, and you don't do any of that stuff anymore. You become irrelevant, you know. And it's weird that you say this is like one of the debut shows of Nickelodeon. I didn't know Nickelodeon started that late. You know, like the the late seventies, early eighties. I thought it was like late eighties or something. No, no, yeah, early seventies, and it was it was this. It was um, stuff like Mr. Wizard's World, um, you know, today's special pinwheel, um, special delivery, um, and then it kind of transitioned into the eighties once you get into like the Double Dare years and and stuff like that. Cartoons and all. Yeah, but uh, yeah, at the beginning it was a lot more of this live action. Um, almost sketch like shows and this like I said this is just one of my earliest memories of Nickelodeon at all so uh, hopefully a little history lesson for people out there that thought Nickelodeon started with Clarissa Explains It All no I mean but yeah this again from the top I love this show I mean it's something about like it's a combination of that intro it's a combination of like all the the regular sketches and the characters and well you know it's just and it boils down to what you said before. It boils down to stuff that kids aren't allowed to do or aren't allowed to say or things that would be looked at as um, questionable. Uh, yeah, and, and that's the that's the thing. Like, when you look at this show and, and you just look at how it goes, like, with the – like, we'll get into characters later, but you had, like, the really gross chef, Barth, who <laughs> basically runs this cafeteria. You wouldn't – you know, the guy cooks, like, rat. They talk about him cooking rats and cockroaches and, you know – cutting up health inspectors and putting them into the burgers and not that he ever actually did all that but you know it's the because he made such gross food the kids were like well this has got to be you know cannibalism but you couldn't do a, a suggested humor or suggested jokes like that nowadays because some parents right group some busybody soccer moms some dare I, a political correctness this show would not get put on the air today because of all the PC Nazis out there. Yeah. You know, you can't have originality in television. People might get ideas. Right. If there was a kid's sketch comedy today, it would be so cheesy. It, it would, would be, be iCarly. But yeah. Actually, just... no, there is a kid's sketch comedy today. It's called So Random on the Disney Channel, and it sucks. <laughs> Um, since you mentioned it, we might as well get into some of the cast and the characters and whatnot. But uh, we're not going to talk about all of them, folks, because there was over a hundred child actors that appeared between 1979 and 1990. Um, you know, there was always kids coming and going. There was obviously some that stayed the course for most of it, but there was way too many people to mention all of them. I'm just going to start with the ones that I know for sure, and then I'll let you touch on some of the ones that maybe you remember. Um, we Everybody should remember the adults in this series, though. Uh, the main man, the guy who played every male adult on the show, was a man named Les Lye. Oh, yeah. And he is the guy that's in the, the introduction getting stamped on the forehead. He's playing Barth, the chef. He plays the dad. Um, he plays the Latin... Um, executioner 
He plays the principal slash teacher. I mean, just all the male characters he plays. And to me, he is this show. Oh, yeah. More more than anything, uh, I mean, there's we'll get into another char- or actor who's just as much the show as this guy. I mean, he was there from beginning to end. Yes. You know, he plays, uh, you know, Barth. Like I mentioned, Barth, the uh, nasty cafeteria chef, you know, just, I heard that. And his voice was just awesome. I know. The guy just, you know, he could tweak it just so, so you knew it was always less lie. Mm -hmm. And it's just the dude was funny. And he's kind of a contemporary of another uh, live-action kids show that I watched growing up because I would watch, like, two – because this show, it was from what I read in doing my research, it was originally an hour – and then they cut it back to a half hour. Mm-hmm. So I would watch like, you know, two shows back to back, and then I would watch the hilarious House of Frankenstein, which was this uh, horror kind of monster themed, you know, semi educational kids show. Yeah, that was uh, debuted er- in the very early seventies, and it was all built around this guy, Billy Van, who played like ninety percent of the characters on screen. So he was very much a contemporary of Les Lye, but, and, you know, you can see why, because they're both these workhorses, and Les Lye just had all this fun. See, as much as I liked Barth and the dad, my favorite character he did was uh, Ross, the stagehand. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, no, he was on, yeah, he was the show. He was You Can't Do That on Television. And I talk about his voice. He also was the voice of uh, Professor Coldheart in all the Care Bear specials. Um, oh, don't, don't don't bring the show down. I'm sorry. Like that, <laughs> um, but anyways, but yeah, to me, I, I don't know. Yeah, you said that this Ross the stagehand was a good gig where he was just interacting with the kids and giving them stage direction and stuff like that. Um, the dad was so uh, sloppy, creepy, like married with children type dad. Um, just the way he was made up, and he was like so <laughs> disgusting. It's just he really looked. Like he was a zombie. Like they yeah. just give him that wigged out look like that. And I really liked the executioner and Barth, but we'll get into those individual segments a little bit more later. But but Les Lye was like you said, he was there from the beginning. Um he was basically the show. And then the other adult who came in um in nineteen eighty two was a lady named Abby Hagyard. And interestingly enough, I actually just talked to her on Facebook the other day. Um, oh really? Yes, I did, because I was trying to, I know you're not going to like this, but I was trying to find out some more voices from these Care Bear specials because it's uncredited on, or they're credited but not as which characters they do. And so I looked her up on Facebook, and I actually had a discussion with her on the chat in Facebook as she was talking to me about this or that. Um, But she was the main adult female, and she would be the mom to Les Lye's dad in most of the in the scenes. If there was ever a need for a, an adult female, Abby was was that one. Oh yeah, no, it's the the big red, you know, <laughs> afro basically. Yeah, he was big head of curly hair, and you know she's always like that June Cleaver is like, oh that's fine, dear. <laughs> but then something disgusting. Um, yeah, it was, it was definitely not the set of parents you would want. Yeah. You, you could. Uh, I, I. My parents were never like that, but it wouldn't. I wouldn't put it past society produced parents like this. At some you point. You'd, you'd have to worry about yourself every time you sat down for dinner if you were in this yeah. household. Well, I mean, there's only so much uh, you know river and Brussels sprouts that a man can take. <laughs> exactly. As for the kids, I really only remember a couple. Um, the first one would be Alistair. 
Um, Alistair Gillis, he was the kind of the second official host. He was on for a few years in the mid-80s. Um, he's just the main kid that I remember as far as boys go. And then the other one that I remember is the first host, the first official host, which is Christine McGlade. Uh She was the brunette, and she was on there for a good seven years or so. And she was a little bit older than the rest of the kids I do remember. Yeah, I think she had like, you know, three or four years on uh, everyone else. And yeah, I think she started when she was about 15, whereas most of the other ones were probably starting more in like sixth grade age group. Yeah. Like twelve or something. Yeah, I know. And I can't believe I forgot to leave. I, I left her off my crush list, and maybe I'll have to, you know, amend that. But I had the biggest crush on uh, Christine or Moose, as she was known. You know, she just had that face, but she had, she was funny, and she she did kind of lead the show. Like I said, as much as Les Lie was the heart of the show, she was up there too in terms of, you know being the show yeah and occasionally she would play like some adult roles kind of um, oh, yeah if there was a need for another one the, I don't, yeah, she almost played the straight she was almost the straight woman to like everyone else yeah she was just bigger and older than everybody else i do remember that like bigger i mean taller um and then there was there was a few other people, and I, I remember them on camera, but I don't necessarily connect them with their names. And of course, we would be uh, we'd get some stuff thrown at us if we didn't mention the one person who showed up. Who okay? Before you mention that, the the one guy, one character I want to mention, and I didn't know this until I was doing my research for this yesterday. Uh, one of the kids was on there for just like one of the last years towards the end was Vic Sahay. Mm-hmm. Who, uh, if you watch uh, Chuck, he plays uh, Lester Patel, hmm. uh, who's like this, you know, smarmy little East Indian dude who thinks, you know, just way he thinks he's way more than he actually is. Gotcha. I, I didn't know that him and his brother were actually on this show. I, I, just, I just thought that was really cool. It's like, holy crap! I wow, <laughs> I didn't even know he was Canadian. <laughs> There you go. I'll learn something new every day. Exactly. Um, and then the person I was talking about, of course, that everybody connects with, uh, you can't do that on television, was Alanis Morissette. Yes. Um, and Or the pop star. In 1986 and 1987, Alanis Morissette was in the cast of You Can't Do That on Television. So you can see her before she became what she later on would be. Um, and there are YouTube videos of her online as her characters from You Can't Do That on Television. Now, one thing, um, basically all of these people, when they're on You Can't Do That on Television, they're playing themselves. There's, oh, yeah. there's no characters outside of the adults, uh, basically. These people are all playing them, and they were called by their names. They, they were playing their own roles. Um, minus one, there was one character that did get a, a show name because he was related to somebody that worked for the show. Oh. Um, and I can't remember which guy that was, but, um, but basically they all are playing themselves. Um, and it was interesting. I mean, the one thing that kept the show kind of fresh to me was that the kids were always changing. There was oh, always yeah. new kids on different episodes, and as the years went by, kids, some people left, some people came. And, you know, I remember at, my time, at the time when I was watching this as a kid having some that I liked better, but I would really have to sit down and watch a lot of episodes today to remember which ones I were my favorites and which ones, you know, I didn't care for. I, I just remember those that were on, I guess, longer than the other ones. Yeah, no, I, I, 
I knew mainly the cast from like you know basically eighty five on was really when I started watching the show. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where I went from. But you do remember kids like Alice there. There was uh, a little blonde boy. I forget his name. He was usually the one that they would give a lot of. He, he would usually the one that had like a lot of you know just the, the snappy comebacks and just mm-hmm. everybody in their place. Yeah, he was kind of tiny. Oh yeah, he was, I think he was like one of the smallest kids they ever had on the show. <laughs> and it, it, I will say that the kids, you know, I mean, you're going to get some bad acting because it's all amateur twelve-year-olds basically doing this, but it almost added to the charm of the show. No, it certainly did. It's something about, like I said earlier, it's just it was kind of dumb jokes, but it's when it's told from the kids like that, it's just it just seemed funnier because it seemed a little more innocent. Right. You know, just they they told the joke because it was funny and that's it. There's no afterthought. They're not, you know, is it going to, where where are we going to go from here? It's just like, boom, funny, done, let's move. Well, and it kind of worked because you had two amazing actors and the two adults paired with kids that really didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. And so it made it somehow, somehow it was a formula that, that works. I mean, I know some people would probably watch this today if they've never seen You Can't Do That on television, they didn't grow up with it. They'd probably watch it on YouTube and be like, this is, you know, terrible acting or this is terrible this or that. But well, they kind of played it almost straight, the comedy. That was the thing. Like, they, right. you know, when it was a joke, they would laugh. But when they're doing the skits, they're just playing it straight. And that's where the humor came from. I mean, it, you know, it's entirely subjective. Well, and but, totally relatable for um, people that are watching it. Exactly. You know, it, but it was just funny, like, where you got, like, the, you know, you mentioned, like, the execution. <laughs> like, where Leslie would play that South, like, you know, the, you know, Castro-esque, you know, South American dictator. And... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Which is one of the best bits of the show. It's just the way they played it, they almost played it completely straight and the humor just spun out of the situation more than what they were saying well and as a kid you could easily picture yourself on screen as in place of one of the kids that was there oh yeah it's not like you were like oh i can't do that or i don't you know you you could easily fit in and and play those roles exactly all right uh anything else on characters that we didn't talk about or any 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 individuals that you want to mention no i mean like i said like there's the executioner that I really liked. I liked Barth. I mean, as much as Leslie was a character in the show, as much as his character, Russ, Barth was like the big <laughs> recurring skit. who was like this disgusting cafeteria worker, you know, 
cough and sneeze. And the dude was smoking on camera. That's a, that's another thing. You could not do this show today. <laughs> have Barth smoke. You could get almost everything else on, but he couldn't smoke. Right. He also couldn't cough over the food because then you know somebody would complain. But no, Barth was like the great the great character because he would sit there telling the kids about you know the health inspector. You know, came by and it's like, what did you get him a burger from across the street to get him off your back? He's like, no, I gave him a Barth burger. And they're like, yeah, what happened to the health inspector? And they always had this recurring, well, two recurring gigs with the Barth was, you know, what do you think's in the burger? <laughs> Kids are like, and then Barth would go, I heard that. <laughs> and then, you know, Something would happen. The kids would all start puking over the side of the booth, and then Bart's there with a the bucket. It's like, oh, oh, wait, let me get that. Let me get that. Yeah, you know, it's just fun. And, and like I said, you just couldn't do stuff like this nowadays. It's got to be like you know, iCarly or Hannah Montana or some crap like that, because you know it's PC, it's safe, and the lawyers have given the stamp of approval. Yeah. Well, I think that transitions really well then into our next segment, which is the good. The bad, the ugly. That's right, it's time for the good, the bad, and the ugly of You Can't Do That on Television, and there's a little of everything. Um, starting with the theme song, the theme song basically is the um, William Tell Overture, which is uh, played a little bit different. I mean, it's a William Tell Overture performed in like a Dixieland jazz arrangement, Um and the theme song itself stays the same throughout the series, but the animation behind it changes somewhat. Yeah, and very uh, Monty Python-esque. Yeah, it's Monty Python slash Pink Floyd slash... I mean, it's it's very interesting um, visually. Oh, yeah, because like I said in the beginning, you know, it's basically, you know, the, the, original, the original setup was basically... Uh, someone launching the Peace Tower from the House of Commons into orbit like a rocket, and then, you know, I don't remember it too much. I only ever really saw it, like, the one time in doing my research, but I remember everything. The original is basically kids getting put together on this assembly line, like I said earlier, and they're pouring out of a water tap in a bus and they're taken to the TV studio, and they run over Les Lai in one of the many, many roles the man played on the show. Yeah. And... You know, then, like, the stamp and the crack, and there you go. But it's it's just, yeah, you just, it's one of those things that sticks with you because it was so completely original. And it was a cool version of the William Tell Overture. Yeah, I didn't even really realize that until you mentioned it. It's like, that, yeah, no, it's, that's great because, you know, it has, like, I remember the William Tell Overture, but it's just, I've never heard, you know, and I know that song. It's just, I never put, you know, two and two right. together like that. And, yeah, though the opening was great. I mean, the original was because it started in Canada. And the original, you know, like I said, the House of Commons, which is like not unlike the uh, what do you call it, the Senate Building, right? Big in the states, I don't know what you call that. Capitol Building or the Pentagon, like, both. Yeah, yeah it's kind of like the Capitol Building, and you know, one part opens up and these balloons come out, having like Pierre Trudeau, who's like <laughs> you know, leader of you know, I think it was the Liberal Party at the time. I'm not sure. Yes, yeah. I know nothing about my country's politics. <laughs> and but no, it's like it was just this like like we said this Monty Python esque sort of opening, 
and then it transitioned into, you know, they had, for a while, the show shifted from you can't do that in television to uh, whatever turns you on, which mm-hmm. I've never seen. And then it went back to the classic, you know, you can't do this. And then it's just stuck like that through, you know, most of its 11-year run. Yeah. Yeah, basically started as you can't do that on television in 1979 and in just a, a Canada um, broadcast, basically, in uh, Ottawa. And then that's when it was an hour long. It was a much larger cast. Um, Les Lye was there, but he was the only adult. And then basically um, the idea was successful, but I don't really know what exactly happened. I mean, it was a successful first season, but then the whatever turns you on kind of changed the format, shortened it to a half hour. Um, Ruth Buzzy came in. I do know her. It, it shrunk the cast down a little bit, but it was placed on a 7 p.m. time slot on Tuesday nights and apparently had poor ratings. So I don't, apparently whatever they did there between that first season and, and this um, whatever turns you on version did not work because the show was canceled after one season. Yeah. And then it was then when Nickelodeon got a hold of it and, you know, the rest is history. Yeah, and um, they, they retooled it, <clears throat> took away the disco music, thank God, <laughs> and uh, went from there. Yeah. Um, another thing, like we kind of talked about before, was there was some stuff that you probably wouldn't be able to get away with now. Well, there was some stuff that apparently you couldn't even get away with back then. Um, they had quite a number of controversial episodes. And one in particular, which was called uh, Adoption was so controversial that it was actually banned after being shown twice. And they put a big, bold, do-not-air sticker on the master tape. Apparently, that was the only one that was banned in the U.S., and it was the second one banned in Canada. There was also an episode called Divorce that was that was banned in Canada. Um, because basically every episode had a theme. Yeah. You know, smells, adoption, divorce, this or that. And apparently a couple of these proved a little bit too... Uh, could not quite get past the censors once people saw them. Um, there was one called uh, Cosmetics. There was one called uh, something about drugs. Um, that Addictions is what it was. Um, yeah. That was not dropped, but the Cosmetics one was. Um, I don't know. There was a little bit of controversy here and there. I'd have to look up those episodes to see exactly what happened, but I'm guessing it was just touching on too much of a sensitive subject. Oh, yeah. Whereas, you know, smoking and drugs is just (laughs) so passe. Yeah. I didn't know that they had banned episodes. And for a kid's show, especially in the 80s like that, like they must have been... They must have probably put hitting that right on the head to get them banned like that. Right. Um... I'd have to look. I got to look some of these up to see exactly what happened in them. If if you can even find them, I don't know. But uh, I do find it interesting that there were some banned episodes from these kid shows, and that just proves that this was really pushing the envelope and trying to do things that uh, hadn't been done before. Oh yeah. Um, and then uh, after it's it's run on Nickelodeon, which basically lasts until eighty nine or ninety, kind of the end of the era was uh, the that nineteen eighty nine ninety season where it no longer was the ratings 
guru that it had been earlier. It dropped to fifth as far as ratings just on Nickelodeon. And basically the network at that time was producing more of its shows in its new studios at Universal Studios in, in Orlando, Florida. So the combination of moving stuff to Florida and the poor ratings basically led to the cancellation of You Can't Do That on Television, which ended officially in 1990. Um but it did continue to air reruns until about 1994. Oh, yeah. So I remember up in the well until I was in high school, you know, it was on Saturdays, you know, Saturday mornings for sure, uh, well, on YTV, which is basically Nickelodeon in Canada. Mm-hmm. And then you had Saturday, like during the weekday afternoons or early evenings on YTV as well. But, yeah, it was it, it was a staple of a lot of Canadians' TV diets, such as it was. Right. You know, for the longest time, and how could you not, you know, love the show? Any show that lasts over ten seasons has is, is done something right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in order. <laughs> and then there was a reunion in July 2004. A reunion special called Project 131 was produced uh, at CJOH-TV, starring five members of the original cast. That was Brody Osom, uh, Marjorie Silkoff, Vanessa Lindors, and uh, Justin Cammy. Um, and Alistair Gillis made cameos. Um, there was also, there's been a couple, um, reunion type conventions that have been had. Um, SlimeCon, I believe is the name of it. And I believe they've had two of them where they've gotten almost the entire cast. I know there's YouTube videos of some of this SlimeCon where Alistair Gillis and Catherine, uh, Moose is on there, um, Les Lai is there, um, so it had to be a few years back, obviously. But uh, apparently they did have a couple conventions where they tried to reunite most of the cast of You Can't Do That on Television, or at least those that had been on you know, the longest. So that's kind of the history of You Can't Do That on Television. Um, do you have anything to say on anything about that before we get into some of the recurring skits? Uh, no, I'm pretty much... like I, I knew it ended, but I didn't know the specifics like that, so... yeah. Um, here's the fun part. Here's the good part of uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly here, and that is the recurring skits, segments, gags, trademarks of the show, because this is really what made the show so memorable. First of all, right from the beginning, they would do a trademark, quote-unquote, preempted shows gag. Oh, God, yeah, I know. I'm, like, watching, I saw this twice. They had, watching episodes, which... You know, we'll get into it later where I saw the episode, but they had one like, you know, Knight Rider wants a Ferrari will not be seen tonight to bring <laughs> you this crap. My favorite was probably uh, Hulk Hogan versus Punky Brewster, mismatch of the century, will not be aired this evening. That was like, okay. <laughs> See, you don't do stuff like this because, yeah. not, not and not necessarily because someone complains, because I think a lot of humor like that would just go, you know, Today's ADD adult generation are just going you know, whoosh, over the head. Right. Well, basically, what the, what we're talking about here is beginning in the, in the 80s here, a title card would appear um, at the very beginning of every show, which would feature a parody title of another TV show um, with some type of silly picture, and then it would always go with the line, whatever the parody was will not be seen today in order for us to bring you this blank production. Depending yeah. on the topic of the of the episode, they would put in different adjectives there. Um, and the preempted shows were always, you know, some type of parody of a current TV show or a current movie or some type of pop culture icon. Some of the other ones, uh, 
the A-team makes one cup of coffee last five hours will not be seen today. Um, let's see. Top Gun gets put on latrine cleaning duty. Um, Boy George without makeup will not be seen today. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, they would do ever, but, you know, that's besides the point. (laughs) There was just some great uh, little humor bits that were very well thought up and uh, very funny for those people that would get them. Yeah. And um, I guess I guess Saturday Night Live did similar things. Um, And I guess you can't do that on television has preempted itself on three occasions. And then there was another one where instead they had a disclaimer that read, the following program contains certain scenes which may not be suitable for mature audiences. Audiences, juvenile discretion is advised. Um, so just kind of a flip of the standard thing. And I, yeah. apparently there was one episode where there was no preempt um, because they just didn't come up with one or something. I don't know for it. But I just loved – that's just a great way to start the show was just having this such and such will not be seen, and they did it perfectly. Oh, yeah. No, it's – I. I kind of vaguely recall that from a kid, mm-hmm. from my own memories. It's just, yeah, it's, and it's signature pieces like that that, you know, stay with you for whatever reason. Maybe just, why can't we have something good like this? <laughs> why? Why, God? God! <laughs> Another recurring thing that we had um, in just about every episode was something called the opposite segment. Yeah, no, the... That that was probably for for like a cast centric thing. That was probably like they would. Sorry, brain fart. <laughs> it's basically it was for as much as there were individual skits with different characters. This uh, the opposites, and you know we'll get into the locker sketch was basically, I think, their signature piece. Yeah. And and basically what would happen is, like we said, every show would have a theme. Like I, I remember watching one where uh, the, the theme was smells. Yeah. And, you know, the whole show is about, you know, farting and, and, and bathroom smells and skunk smells and, and horrible smells. And basically well, what this opposite segment was, which would happen basically in every episode, is all of a sudden everything would flip. For They they'd do a little transition um, visual and someone would say, or in unison, they would say, oh, this must be the introduction to the opposites. And all of a sudden everything was opposite, so everything that was supposed to smell bad would smell good. Um, like they'd be in the bathroom after uh, Les Lies character had just taken a deuce or left a deuce, um, and they'd all be like, "Oh, this smells so good," and whatnot. And yeah, or and they so- had the one with uh, the campers, you know, like, "Well, kids, you, I'm done setting up food that'll attract all our natural predators, you know, skunks and bears, wolves, and guys like tossing like burger patties and fish all around." Well, we're almost done smearing ourselves with honey, sir. <laughs> you know, just like. So yeah. basically the opposite is like complete inverse of logic. Or the kids would actually like the Brussels sprouts and liver that uh, their mom was fixing them or something mm-hmm. like that. So, nope. Sorry? It, no, it, it, just, it was just kind of funny because it was, you know, the reactions that you wouldn't expect plus going against everything that had happened in the episode. And yeah. my favorite part was then when it would flip out of the opposites mid-sketch. and. Oh, yeah. So, like, in the smells one, they would be in whatever. Let's say they were in the bathroom there enjoying the smell or whatever and saying, oh, it smells so good or whatever. And then all of a sudden, the opposite segment would end, and then they'd all pass out. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, the, the sketch is over, kids. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Just boom. Yeah. Yeah. Or sometimes, and the, that was actually the after gag of the opposites is the next scene, which is done in this uh, generic set. They would they would keep going with the gag, and they're like, no, 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 the, the opposites is over. 
Yeah. And and this was something that actually dates all the way back to its very first season in '79. So this is you know this is a skit sketch or whatever that has been part of the entire show's run. Um, and it was just it was just fun watching. It was just an, an added element that kind of made the whole episode fun because it broke up the not necessarily the monotony, but it broke up the part of the episode that was the same you know i mean if we're dealing with bad smells the entire episode all of a sudden this gets thrown in there and it breaks it up a little bit and switches things up for a little bit and and you know gives you a breather before you go back to bad smells yeah but i liked the opposite segment not as much as i liked the next segment though and that is the firing squad (laughs) all right so before we get into it i'll just give you the the gist of it for those of you that don't remember it or maybe never watched the show um, every episode would have one of these, if not more. And Les Sly would play this, you know, Latin American Fidel Castro military officer with a sword in hand, and he would be preparing to order a firing squad to execute one of the children actors, uh, Alistair, for example, who would be standing in front of a post. And basically the, the skit was the kids would be trying to find a way out of getting shot. Um, every scene would have the same basic format. Les Sly's captain character would say, ready, aim, and then the cast member would say, you know, wait a minute, stop the execution, or he would, they would try to distract him at some point, and uh, he would reply with, what is it this time? <laughs> or, you know, something like that. Obviously, I can't do a Les Sly voice. Um, yeah. And basically, as they are trying to get out of the execution, at some point, they would get him to stand in front of the post and get him to accidentally say the word fire. And then the firing squad would basically shoot him, and he would fall over. Yeah. Uh, That's kind of like, again, it's a skit from, you know, the House of Frankenstein where they would randomly have a guy in a gorilla suit walk out of the forest, and he'd be looking around, he'd keep going about his bit every time he gets knocked in the head by a golf ball and just, you know, boom, it's over. But yeah, this was like the great, one of the, again, another signature piece of the show. You know, says, what is it this time? And it's like, uh, I got a doctor's note. I'm like, I can't have any lead. And it's like, that is a very original way of getting out of an execution. Yeah. Well, unlike the one with the smells, the kid kept farting or whatever and apparently set the post on fire. So then he moves out of the way and Leslie looks at it and says something about fire. And, of course, they shoot. The fun part was you knew what was going to happen. You knew that he was going to do the ready aim. What is it this time? You knew eventually he was going to get shot. The, the fun part was waiting to see how the kid tricked him this time. Yeah, and that just goes to, you know, kind of the ingenuity of the, the writers that, you know, they did this over 11 years and almost almost every episode. is They just kept coming up with ways, like, how truly stupid was this dictator guy that he falls for it every time? <laughs> well, and this is another thing why this show can't happen anymore, because it actually had good writing. And uh-huh. people today don't have time to actually get good writers that write good stuff over and over and over again. I mean, it's t- people always want to take the lazy way out and just do the same formulaic thing over and over and over again. This was the same formulaic thing, but with different writing every single time. Yeah, it's like it was funny. Yeah, and this is easily one of my favorite skits. I just loved it. I loved it. First of all, I love the fact that it's some type of dictator who's got a firing squad getting ready to kill a kid. Yeah, yeah. It's just that that bat poop insane. It's like, what is going on here? 
Yeah, you could only get ri- get get away with that in the 80s. Yeah, it's like you wanted that to happen at your school where the principal took out a certain kid and just gave him the firing squad. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, if you tried shooting that nowadays, like some busybody would like march onto the set and like interrupt the whole thing. Yeah. You know, just get the hell out of here. Exactly. Um, probably the most iconic skit from You Can't Do That on Television, and the one that most people remember probably easiest is the locker room skit. Oh, yeah. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And basically what you have here is you have like six to eight or ten individual lockers, each with different colors. Um, and then the words, you can't do that on television, are, I think are painted across them. And they would be... You know, just kind of sitting alone, and a kid would pop out of one of the lockers, call to one of the other kids who would pop out of a different locker, and they would just tell jokes or one-liners back and forth, and then they'd close the door, and then another kid would open it, and it was like, the jokes are terrible, but it was just something cool about the kids popping out of the locker, I think. Yeah, no, it's like, you know, for, you know, Alistair would pop out and call Christine, he would go back in, Christine would call, like, Marjorie... Yeah, you know, and it, it just they would all kind of go back and forth like that for a couple minutes, and yeah, it was again, it was well not lame, but you know, it's they weren't necessarily the best jokes, but they're like those groaners, you know, those. Well, it was stuff that you would hear from people at school. It's like stuff you could imagine your classmates coming up with. Exactly, and a lot of it gave also because we didn't really talk about this, but throughout the entire episode, all the time, the kids are always making fun of each other. Oh yeah. And each other, but it's all good-natured fun. Yeah, but I mean, it's just something you can relate to because you know they pop out the locker and make some type of joke about moose and that, that she smells or that she, you know she's you know whatever stupid or something yeah. like that. And it's she's just fun cooties. stuff. What's that? She's got cooties or something. Yeah, like and it was just funny jokes where they'd pick pick on each other. You know, like if one of them was short, they'd pick on him being short. Or you know, it's not. I know it sounds mean or whatever. And you know, oh no, we couldn't do this today because we got to have everybody have self esteem and we can't pick on people. But when you're doing it like this, completely, you know, tongue in cheek, it made it funny. Oh yeah, no, it's and you know, for those that didn't know, uh, trivia thing. Like I only ever saw. Like maybe three or four episodes growing up, but Rowan and Martin's laughing originated this whole sketch thing. Yeah, where they had like this big you know wall with like different and the the wall that Rowan Martin uses more Captain Kangaroo that was like literally all over the place. <laughs> it wasn't just these lockers, but yeah, it's just it, it's the idea that you, you can take some a joke the joke wall idea and they just played it up and it was fun. And I always wanted to be in one of the lockers. Uh, that would never be a good thing. <laughs> I always just wanted to pop out of the locker. I don't know. Um, and this was also something that originated in its very first season. So some of these things are stuff that they stayed true to the entire run. They And they were so successful that they didn't need to come up with new things or replacement things. They They got something right from the beginning, and they did it throughout the entire run of the show successfully. Yeah. Um. Obviously, the lockers changed a little bit throughout the years, but the this basic skit was always the same. And you never know, you never knew who was going to be in the locker or who was going to be popping out, so that was kind of fun. 
Exactly. Um, another thing similar to what they did at the beginning of the show with the the preempted sh- fake show titles is they would also change the production company at the end of the show every time. And I forgot about this until doing research, but it would basically have the closing credits and it would be followed by an announcement of the company that produced the program, which would say, you can't do that on television is a blank production. But they would change that based on the topic of the show. So, example, for the bullying episode, it would say, you can't do that on television is a black eye production. Or, you know, the divorce show. You can't do that on television is a split down the middle production. (laughs) (laughs) And so they would change the title every single time. And then usually it would be followed by one final sketch from the kids, which usually took place on the main set, which we haven't really talked about either. Um, I don't know how to describe the main set. It looked like the inside of a geodesic dome. Yes, that is a, a perfect way to describe it. Thank you, JT. Yeah. <laughs> and and basically what that was is that you know the kids would just be sitting on set. You know they would show Ross or uh, Ross the stagehand. Um, you know you'd have cameras and stuff, and it was like they were actually filming stuff there. It was it was just kind of their their home base, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and that's usually where the last skit would take place after this little production note. Yeah, and there was. Like the, I didn't actually. I don't think I ever actually noticed that gag before. <laughs> I didn't until they until I. But now I now that they say that, I realize yes, they did do that. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. It's just, I think as kids, sometimes you don't, you just kind of tune out that part because you're used to the same old, you know. Well, it's the end of the show. I mean. Yeah, and you're used to this nothing being exciting in the credits. Yeah. No, I didn't know that, but uh, again, that just goes back to like how they did the the joke wall. Mm-hmm. You know, like these, the execution, you know, it's just like they did this every episode, but, you know, they made it work. Like, they're one of the very, very rare shows that, you know, they found this formula with almost the first get-go, and they just went with it. Yeah. Um, and there's just so many things that they hit right on. I mean, usually a show might have one or two little trademark things that you remember, but this had like a dozen, it seems like. And... Along with the locker segment, which is probably the one I think most people remember, the other one that's probably most, the show is most famous for, as far as its impact on future Nickelodeon shows, and I don't think many people realize this, this is where Slime was born. Oh, yeah. I mean, and before Slime, they had the water skit where someone would say wet or I'm thirsty or something like that. Usually if they said the word water, they would get dosed doused with water and at the beginning it was someone throwing a pail of water at them and then eventually it would come from the ceiling the same way that the slime and and the slime and water both are excellent skits but i I just don't think most people realize that the green slime nickelodeon's trademark green slime began with you can't do that on television it started in canada (laughs) and and the the water would come down whenever anybody said water at one point you could say wet or something like that too but eventually it was just water um and slime would come down if you ever said i don't know if you ever said, if someone ever asked you a question and they would always try to get you, you know, they would try to ask you a question that you couldn't possibly know the answer. If you said, I don't know, the green slime would come down on you. Um, and just the water and the slime coming down was just great. Yeah, because then you look like you know, they say, and I love how sometimes the setup is, you know, the I don't think, you know, that's the right <laughs> answer. Or they, they would play with it and then someone finally say, I don't know. 
and yeah. they, you know, they get doused. And whether it was water or it was slime, as soon as it hit, they get that funny little smile on their face because they're, you know, they're fighting to stay in character for that scene to finish the gag. Yes. But at the same time, the smile also says, I can't believe I'm getting paid for this. Exactly. Um, and the slime did at times have different colors. Usually it was green, but for a few episodes, they would change it up and have it white or red or brown or, you know, multicolored or whatever. But it was usually the standard green. Um and I didn't know this, but they actually put down usually some type of tarp mm-hmm. to protect the set when this was going to happen. So I guess if you're watching real carefully, every once in a while you can see it, and you can definitely hear it. Because when the slime hits the tarp, it makes a different sound than if it would have hit like a, a regular floor. Um, yeah. And I guess I never caught this, but apparently sometimes the actors that were going to get watered or slimed would actually be barefoot during that scene. Um, yes, and then you just, who really wants to be stepping in that? Well, yeah, but I mean, I guess I never even saw it, that they, you know, I guess there was ways to be able to predict who was going to get slimed or who was going to get, you know, water porn on them based on what they were wearing and, and where they were standing and, and stuff like that. Um, but it was just cool, and this is something that has happened now forever because, like the Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Awards, that's a staple of that award show with somebody getting slimed. Yeah, usually um, the host. Yeah, and that started, I believe, with Les Lai being on one of the the very first Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Awards and getting, yeah, I don't know if he got slimed or if Tony Danza got slimed, but um, and then it, from there it just kind of went on. But, I mean, what would Nickelodeon be without slime? It wouldn't be nothing. <laughs> and apparently, for those of you that are interested, the slime consisted of a mixture of lime green gelatin powder and flour, uh, eventually, oatmeal was added to the recipe, as was baby shampoo, so that it would wash out of the actor's hair more easily. <laughs> and that's why a lot of times you would see the cast members, as they're getting slimed, look up, um, because they were trying to make it hit their face more than their hair. Um, well, I don't think it really mattered. <laughs> no, it didn't. But <laughs> that is just, I don't know, that's... Awesome, and obviously, as as the years went through with Nickelodeon, you would get slime on Double Dare, and you would get Gak and Goose being sold in stores, and you know Orlando has a green slime geyser. Um, but it all started back. You can't do that on television. Yep, it started in Canada. Can't say that enough. <laughs> and most of the time, it would happen on the main set. But I also liked it when they would do it on a completely different set. Or, like, yeah, in the middle of one of their gangs. Or yeah, something. like, I remember one time, the, one of the kids being like, because oftentimes, and we've we got to go through some of the segments here that I, I don't necessarily have listed, but um, one of these segments would be the home scene, where you would either have the kids at the dinner table with the two adults, or you would have them in a living room, you know, sitting on the, a chair, couch, watching TV, or you would have the bedroom, which was usually the two boys um, in separate beds, but in the same room. Yeah. And, and I remember the water, one of them getting water pouring on them while they were in the bed. Oh, yeah, where the little brother is, like, praying. Yeah. And then God, you know, Les Light does, like, this over narration of God, and he's like, so do you want me to get rid of him, or do you just want me to, you know, make, make him stop smelling? And the kid's like, make him stop smelling, so he gets, he gets the water. No, I mean, and yeah, as far as other skits, like, they had the the Doctor was, like, one that recurred a lot. Oh, I remember that now. Where, where uh, Leslie would play this kind of 
you know, Groucho Marx style doctor. It was not something that you would want your kids to see if they already were afraid to go to the doctor. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> because... the guys, so, sorry. No, go ahead. Well, I was just like, you know, the guy's sitting there, like I said, this very you know, Groucho Marx, you know, mustache, eyebrows, smoking on a cigar, kids behind the screen. Doctor, I think I'm old enough now that, you know, I, I can see a different doctor. It's like, well, the, the guy's a baby doctor, so the kid comes out. And that just kind of showed, you know, the, the willingness to do things, like the, the balls yeah. the show had. Because it's like a 13, 14-year-old boy dressed in a diaper sucking on a giant soother. Yeah. You can't do that nowadays. (laughs) Or it would be something where, like, it was, like, something like a cold or he was stuffy or something like that, and then Leslie would come out with, like, a drill or with, like, a, you know, something crazy that would never be used to fix this ailment. And Smells episode where he cut, like, uh, the one girl's nose off. Yeah, I mean, it was just, like, the doctor out of hell. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that, you know, then there was, like I said, mentioned there was Barth. There Barth, I love the Barth scenes because, first of all, it was disgusting. I mean, they would have, like, socks in their burgers or they would have, you know, something disgusting in their burger. But it was just always funny when they would start puking over the, the, the chair rail or the, the rail there. And that was something about, like, every skit. You kind of knew what was eventually going to happen. Yeah. Like in the in the execution skit, you knew uh, the commander was going to get or the captain was going to get shot. Exactly. You know, in, in certain skits, you know someone's going to get slimed or something like that. This one, like that one, you knew someone was going to throw up at some point. But it's like waiting for how it's going to happen and waiting to see how they get to that point. That was the fun part of watching it. Like if four of them are sitting at bars, you know, diner there at the table, which one of them is going to be the one that pukes? first yeah yeah and then you know peristaltic chain reaction right and then what else they had that torture scene which is another one that was in a lot of episodes where one of the kid casts is like chained up in this you know dungeon and then less light comes in is this like vaguely germanic you know torture yeah basically he starts talking smack about the skeleton that's chained on the wall or the kid comes in, there's, like you said, there's, like, the little blonde boys playing arcade games. Like, why am I changing the wall, and why is he playing the arcade? Well, if he doesn't make 8 million points, he's getting doused in hot oil. You know, <laughs> yeah. stuff like that, so. There was also the, de- the detention one where a kid would be, like, stuck in detention for hours with Leslie as the teacher slash principal. I don't know what he, which one he was supposed to be, but that was pretty funny and them trying to either get out of detention or what they had to do while they were in there. Um, I just thought that was kind of a, a cool scene. Like I said, the house scenes were cool. Um, occasionally there was also scenes at an actual school, I believe like with desk and stuff. Yeah. They had um, the teacher sketch and then they had, yeah, the detention sketch. Then they had the ones where they would go to the front door of of the house where the the, the female adult would be living, or sometimes Leslie would be living, where they would be trying to sell something or you know go door to door with some type of fundraiser. Or they're just picking up one of the girls for a date. Yeah, and they'd ring the doorbell, and you know one of the adult characters would answer, and you know hilarity would ensue. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other skits that we're missing that were kind of ongoing. Um, I think that was most of them. You know, Ross with the stagehand on the on the main set giving directions and trying to get people to read the cue cards. Um, yeah, or they then Ross. You should mention that Ross got slimed and wa- got the water quite a bit. Yeah, 
as far as regular carriers, I think him and uh, Moose, like Christine, they're amongst the regulars that they're there. They're the ones that got it, I think, the most. Yeah. So so basically, if we missed any cool segments that you guys remember, make a comment on our post uh, on the webpage, geekcastradio.com, and, and find the telecast tab. And let us know if we missed any any cool recurring scenes or segments, skits that uh, that you liked so we can remember them, too. Um, so I think that does it, unless you have anything else on the good, the bad, and the well, ugly. We should mention the pies. Oh, yeah, there was also pies. Which is, and I actually did watch that episode on uh, YouTube where, you know, they compare the stupidity of hitting oneself in the face with pies over and over again is akin to taking drugs. And I was like, wow, that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, and they were basically getting high off the pies. Well, yeah, you know, but it, or they're just like, man, I, I just, I gotta get a custard in the face, man, I gotta get a custard in the face, and it's, and it, 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 it was intelligent in the fact that you know they were making fun of it, mm-hmm. but at the same time, they're, you know, and it's something that kids would process. Well, if you know, drugs is as stupid as hitting yourself in the face with a pie. It wasn't heavy-handed, right? It wasn't way. preachy. Yeah, it wasn't preaching to their audience. It was talking. It wasn't talking down to them, but it was all, it was talking to them. And it was like, guys, check, you know, th- this ain't cool. Yeah, exactly. So, and it was just more good writing. Exactly. All right, so I think we will move on to... Things that make you go, hmm... That's right, it's time for things you might not know about You Can't Do That on Television. First thing that you might not know is that Les Lye is the only cast member who appeared in every single episode. It shouldn't be a huge surprise, but a little interesting trivia tidbit. Um, second thing you might not know, the kids on the show got paid extra for episodes in which, in which they were doused with water or, or slime. They got $75 extra an episode for the water and $150 extra an episode for slime. Which kind of makes you wonder whether they're like, oh, 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 can I get it? (laughs) I know I would have been like, bring on the slime. (laughs) Just bring it on, baby. (laughs) This is the third thing that I absolutely did not know about this show, and I find it fascinating. In all of Abby Haggard's roles, who is the the mother, the librarian, oh, we forgot about the librarian, um, etc., she wears gloves in all of her roles. Yeah. The mother wears yellow latex gloves. The librarian wears white cotton gloves. Um, apparently, the uh, the producers thought her hands were too elegant looking for a hardworking housewife. So she wears gloves in every single role that she plays. Um, wow. I did not know that. Yeah. Fourth thing that you might not know about the show was only three full episodes from the first season are known to exist. Um, apparently, the studio masters no longer exist. But the episodes, apparently, some websites have those three episodes or possible, um, you know, shows where kids videotape them as, you know, that's the only way that this could possibly exist is if you recorded them at home. Yeah. So not many episodes from that first season are known to exist. And the last thing that you might not know is You Can't Do That on Television became Nickelodeon's highest rated television program in 1984 and remained the highest rated television program on the channel for two years, at least until 1986. So I can see it. So it yes, was a... Because I read that one thing, you know, only three full episodes from the... I kind of glossed over the first season. It's like, only three full episodes of the show are known to exist? <laughs> 
Wow, they didn't care at all. <laughs> no, just that first season. But I'm sure kids out there somewhere saved them because I, that always surprises me how kids somehow recorded their sh- favorite shows back in the day and still have the, like the VHS tapes. Yeah, <laughs> like and I mean that just kind of goes to show you that you think in today's age of like you know, 500 plus channels and nothing on. Yeah, how they must have loved the show back in the day when they only had like four channels. Yeah, exactly. Um, and getting into a little bit about where they are now, like I said, and we're not going to talk about everybody because there was over 100 people on the show, but the main people, uh, starting with Les Lye, um, he continued to live with his family and friends in uh, Ottawa, Ontario, um, after the show. He attended both SlimeCon 2002 and SlimeCon 2004 in Ottawa. And uh, unfortunately, though, he did pass away two years ago in 2009, and he was 84 years old at the time. Oh, that's, I didn't know that. So he is no longer with us. I did not know he was that old, though, either. But I guess that makes it in the 80s. Yeah, he was in his 50s, I guess, when he was doing that show. That, wow. That surprises me. He looks yeah. younger. But, uh, and Abby, the, uh, Abby Hagyard, the mom, um, she's still, like I said, I just talked to her the other day, so she's still kicking. Um, she's written and produced, uh, six award-winning plays. She also created a live youth talent show series that toured agricultural fairs across Ontario. Um, and she, I guess, regularly books cabaret performances, uh, for four different shows. So she's still very much, doing stuff, um, mainly in Canada, I guess in the Ontario, you know, Ottawa area. Um, Christine McGlade Moose, one of the first cast members anyone thinks of when remembering you can't do that on television. Um, she was the longest running host of the program. She is currently a mother and works as a producer and director for TV Ontario. Uh, she also appear, appeared at both SlimeCon 2002 and SlimeCon 2004. Um, Alistair Gillis, um, he is apparently back in school, attending school or something, but uh, he's also done a few things here and there. He was at the SlimeCon 2002 and 2004. There is a website. Um, if you look up You Can't Do That on Television on Google, there is a website that has tabs on most of the cast. So if you really want to you know, see where an individual person is now, I'd go to that website, and we will put the link in, at our page on, on the post at um, Geekcast Radio. So you can get to that link, and you can look up your individual people and see what they're doing now if you would like. Um, but most of them were, you know, were just kids when they were doing this, and most of them are you know, grown adults at this point. And not many of them, I don't think, are still doing the entertainment business, maybe outside of Alanis Morissette. And, um, there's a couple people that have been doing some voice work, Justin Cammy, um and uh, one or two others. But it's kind of a mixed bag with this group. Not a lot of them you know, went on to be humongous stars, so to speak. And this might have been also their only... Right. March stab at it, so. Yeah. So that is where a few of them are, and we're going to take a quick break for some commercials and some GeekCast content and some uh, sound clips from You Can't Do That on Television. So enjoy the commercial break, and we'll be right back. Can't Do That on Television will return after these messages. 
Hey, I'm Gary. I'm Greg. I'm Chuck. And I'm Justin. Join the four of us every week on the Internet's number one G.I. Joe podcast, What's On Joe Mind. That's right. It's Joe News, reviews, and special guests like you've never heard them before delivered right to your MP3 player. Think of it as Joe Talk meets Sports Talk. And we make fun of Chuck. Right. Hey. We're just kidding, Chuck. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes Chuck makes fun of himself. Right. Hey. It's What's On Joe Mind. Every week on the GeekCast Radio Network, InsidePulse.com, Stitcher Smart Radio, and iTunes. Download and listen today. Can I say something about Transformers? No! (coughs) Oh, boy. The kid's my worst enemy. Came in here today, the city health inspector. That's too bad, Barthy. Did you give him a burger from across the street to get him off your back? (laughs) No, I did not. I gave him my Barth burger to get him off my back. <laughs> I guess we won't be hearing from him anymore. <laughs> no, no, but we'll be tasting him for many weeks to come. Who do you think's in the burgers? I heard that. <laughs> oh, Barth! I don't know what to say. The monkeys won't do. And I also don't know what to say about those crazy producers from the Geekcock Radio Network. They're driving me crazy. <sighs> Hey guys, it's Optimus Solo from GeekCast Radio Network's The Telecast, coming to you with an important message about our Listener's Choice episode. That's right, for the first time in GeekCast Radio Network history, we are giving you, the listener, a chance to choose the topic in one of our shows. This is how you can cast your vote for what the topic should be. Head on over to geekcastradio.com and click on the Telecast tab at the top of the page. Once there, you can find our complete Season 1 schedule with all 35 episodes. Please look this over, because we would hate for you to cast your vote for a show that is already on our schedule. Once you've done this, just scroll to the section titled Listener's Choice and click on the Comments button. All that's left for you to do now is to cast your vote through a comment. For example, you might say, Hey, I see that Nick Arcade is not in your Season 1 lineup, so I'd like to cast a vote for Nick Arcade to be the Listener's Choice episode. It's that simple, so please go cast your vote for your favorite show and stay tuned for Episode 34 to see which show becomes our very first Listener's Choice. That does it for now. This has been Optimus Solo from The Telecast. What's your ambition in life? Oh, I want to be just like Joan Rivers. <laughs> Joan Rivers? Why? Well, she can insult people every day and get away with it. Oh, moo! Forget it, Lisa. You're not Joan Rivers yet. Oh, Dougie. Yes, Ben? What's your ambition? My ambition is to grow up and be tall and handsome. What? You mean like me? No. Watch it, Doug, or you'll never live to achieve your ambition. Uh, ben! Yeah, Austin. I wouldn't pick an old thug like that. Why not? Has he got a gun or something? No, he's just got a belt. Black belt and karate. A uh, dog down. Down. Sorry. Uh, ben, don't talk to Dougie like it was a dog. Christine will get very jealous. Lisa. Yes, Missy. Lisa, was it always your ambition to be an actress? Yes, it was. What went wrong? <laughs> yes, Alistair. You know, when I grow up, I want to be a psychiatrist. How exciting for you. Yeah, and I'll only deal with split personalities. Why? So I can build them twice. Getting split personalities? Oh, Christine. Yeah, Ben. What's your ambition in life? My ambition in life is to be trapped in an elevator with Tom Selleck. (laughs) But wouldn't that be kind of dangerous? I mean, what if the rescuers didn't hear your cries for help? Ben, if I was trapped in an elevator with Tom Selleck, I would not be crying for help. (laughs) Most not your cries for help, his. 
Hello, nurses and friends of nurses. Yakko Warner here, and you're listening to a podcast on the GeekCast Radio Network. Lucky you. Hey everybody, it's Optimus Solo from GeekCast Radio Network's new show, The Telecast, with some important information on our theme song contest. The rules for this contest are pretty simple. In season one of The Telecast, we will be covering 33 classic kids shows from the 80s and 90s. Obviously, all of these shows had theme songs, which sometimes can be the most memorable part of a show. This contest is going to test your memory on those theme songs. How is that, you may ask? Well, because we have taken 32 of those classic theme songs and smashed them into one three-minute clip. Your job is to identify the order in which these 32 shows appear in that three-minute clip. Also, you must be able to identify which one of the 33 shows was left out of the clip. Some of the shows should be fairly easy for you to identify, while others may be a bit trickier. For a list of all the shows in Season 1 and more information on the contest, visit the Telecast page at geekcastradio.com. Also, remember to tune in to every episode of the Telecast, because each episode will contain that show's theme song in its entirety at the beginning of the show, as well as the three-minute contest song towards the end of the show. This has been Optimus Solo from the Telecast, saying good luck and happy listening. Ready? Aim. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Soft execution. What? Oh, no, no. Why not? Because I want to keep my job is why. It's nothing personal, but the Generalissimo is very upset about the way I keep messing up these executions. Well, you don't mess them up. They usually turn out pretty good. No, 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 no. I'm not the one who's supposed to get shot. You're the one who's supposed to get shot. I'll tell you something else. The Generalissimo has told me if I mess up once more, one more execution, I get fired! Hey guys, Raphael here of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Did you say podcast? Dudes, dudettes! You're listening to the podcast on the Gatecast Radio Network. Cowabunga! This week on You Can't Do That on Television, Moose and the Gang look at medicine, rules and regulations, and the world of the future. Watch You Can't Do That on television Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 3.30 Eastern, 12.30 Pacific. And again at 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific. You Can't Do That on television? Only on Nickelodeon. Now back to You Can't Do That on television. All right, thanks for staying with us, everyone. And you may be wondering how you can watch some You Can't Do That on television now. Yeah. <laughs> as great as this show is, and, you know, as long as it lasted and as high of a rating show and, you know, for all the things it did for Nickelodeon, this show is getting no justice. No love. As far as no love, as far as how you can watch it now. And it's probably because it's hard to get clearance to put all of this stuff on DVD. Um, it's not available on DVD. It's not available on Netflix. It's not available on iTunes. What the hell? There was rumors that it was going to be on DVD. Then it got pulled back off of the schedule. Um, but maybe with Shout Factory doing Hey Dude and a couple of the other Nickelodeon things, maybe they'll do this. But I think uh, part of it is the content that's holding them back. Oh, yeah. Um, they're, you know, they're not so easily to clear all the different hurdles they have to in order to get this on some type of watchable format. So, unfortunately, we're stuck with just YouTube. Not that that's a bad thing. No, it's not terrible because the content on YouTube is pretty clear. 
for the most part, yeah. The, I mean, there are some, you, you get a mixed bag, you get a little of everything, but you can usually find some clear stuff. Um, you can find some complete episodes in like two or three parts. You can find some skits, just individual skits. Uh, you just kind of got to be knowing what you're doing on YouTube as far as searching and being able to find the good stuff and weed out the bad stuff. Um, what was your experience watching some of this on YouTube or what you could find? I actually found, like, I watched, like, six or seven episodes Yeah. in three parts. Uh, one of them I wanted to, there's one, the Malls episode, I couldn't find the first part. I could only find... For some reason, there's like three or four different accounts that had parts two and part three, but no one had part one. Yeah. So you, you'll probably run in, I mean, in the myriad episodes that this show produced for what's on YouTube, you'll probably run into that. But yeah, no, they had a lot of good, decently clear episodes. You know, yeah, as, as I was impressed. As, yeah, it was as clear as watching it on YouTube as when I watched it on TV back in the day. It's like, it was basically VHS rips, and it looked fine. Yeah, I agree. And and usually you'll find it, you know, if you just look up, you can't do that on television. You'll, you'll notice the episodes because it'll say, like, you can't do that on television, and then, like, one word, which was the theme for that episode, and it'll just say, like, one of three or part one or something like that, and you'll be able to, to watch it that way. Um, you can also find some of the uh, SlimeCon clips, um, for example, you can find the audition that Moose, uh, her original audition for the show, um, and you can find a few things like that, as well as the actual episodes. But uh, there is some stuff out on YouTube, so if you want to get a taste of what you can't do that on television, you can find every single one of the skits that we've talked about is on YouTube in some way, shape, or form. Hmm. So, I mean, if you want to find the execu- an execution-themed, you know, skit to remember what that was like, it's on YouTube. The bar scenes are on YouTube. I mean, you can find a little bit of everything. You just have to do a little bit of looking sometimes. So, time to give our ratings. The IGN replacement crew, one through four. One, which is you didn't like the show back then and you don't really like it now. Two is you loved it back then, but now it's terrible. Three, you loved it and you would still watch it on TV. Four, you want this thing on DVD. I'm going to give it a three. Like, I still love the show. And, you know, in the course of doing research, I kind of remembered why I love the show. You know, so I I would give it a three. I'm actually going to do something I don't usually do, and I'm going to give this one a four. I would actually buy this if it was on DVD. Ooh, well played. If, if it was available on DVD, I would buy it. Um, so far, it's not. I don't know how much of it I would buy. Um, it depends on how they put it out on DVD. But this is just something that I would be like, yep, I am not ashamed to own this one and put it right on the shelf with the rest of them. Um, but, yeah, three or four is good. I'm going to give it a four, though. I, this show was so good and unique back then, and even though the acting is not necessarily the greatest thing to watch and some of the jokes aren't necessarily funny, those skits are just so memorable, and the writing is really good. Oh, yeah. And, and for that, I would love to watch a, a series of episodes of this on DVD quality. Oh, yeah. So I know a lot of people don't like it because they missed it, they missed the boat, or they weren't watching you know, Nickelodeon until, you know, Double Dare and Clarissa and all that, and they missed some of that good early Nickelodeon. But to me, Nickelodeon was never as good as it was in those first few years. Oh, yes. You know, just, they 
it's kind of like chasing the dragon. You know, you, you hit the ball out of the park once, and you just never seem to be able to do that again. Yeah. I mean, somewhere in the 90s, Nickelodeon lost, you know, it jumped ship or whatever, and uh, turned into just another channel instead of being the groundbreaking push-the-envelope channel. And I, I got to appreciate the first 10 years of Nickelodeon a little bit better than what has become of it since. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would like to thank JT for being with me today on this first of the off-the-wall topics that we're going to talk about. And, of course, I'd like to thank you, the listener, for joining us here on the telecast. If you want to leave us feedback on the show, go to geekcastradio.com. It's all new. It's revamped. Steve's done a great job with it. So go to geekcastradio.com, click on the telecast tab, and you can find all of our episodes. You can make comments on whichever episodes you'd like. You can also rate our show and leave us uh, feedback in iTunes. We did have a new uh, feedback left on iTunes, and it was left um, just a little bit ago. Let's see, August 29th by Lizer345, a five-star review, and it says simply uh, five words, great Great podcast, just amazing. Um, so we are up to 16 ratings on the U.S. side of things, and we are still maintaining our five-star quality. So thank you all. And please you know, leave more comments, uh, feedback, what you want to see, what you like, what you don't like, so we can uh, make improvements. We're always trying to get better. If you want your comments to be part of the future show, you can call the voicemail line 502-526-5821. And, of course, you can always become a fan of us on Facebook, facebook.com slash network, and Mike will keep you up to date with all of our new content and what's going on there. Um, don't forget about our theme song contest and our listener's choice episode voting. Time's running out for those two things. So if you're not aware of what I'm talking about, you can find the post on geekcastradio.com. So that does it for now. We hope we succeeded in entertaining you informing you, and most importantly, unleashing the geek in you on this episode of The Telecast. And we hope that you will tune in for our next episode when we will begin um, another off-the-wall topic, which is Land of the Lost, not the Will Ferrell movie. We're talking 1970s, uh, Croft, Land of the Lost. I know most of you are scratching your heads right now. Um, for now, I am your host, Optimus Solo, with JT from Saskatoon. Hoping that you will tune in in 10 days for another episode of The Telecast. Bye!
Marshall, Will, and Holly. Any last requests? Oh, yeah, I do. Before I go, do you think he'll let me see the third part of the Star Wars movies? I mean, I missed it, and I have to find out what happens to Han Solo. You're a Star Wars fan, so am I. It's like 12 times, and the amigos love the comic books. Hey, yeah. So then you'll let me go? No Great. way, kid. Anyone who didn't see Return of the Jedi and calls himself a Star Wars fan deserves to be shot. Ready? Hey! I bet you wouldn't do this with Luke Skywalker. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, listen, kids, you're not gonna believe what that mean old health inspector said that he found in my burger mixture. Beef? That would be a miracle. No, 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 no. He said he found two rats and three cockroaches. Would you believe it? Nah. You think he made it up because he doesn't like you and wants to hurt your reputation? Yeah. That's right, Stephanie. Because I put in four rats and six cockroaches in each one of my Barth burgers. Quality sometimes costs. Oh, yeah, that's it. This is grade A sirloin of rat, you know. Nothing's too good for my kids. You finished? Your turn. <laughs> 